I'm not going to fix today's problem because I'm worried about what that means for my future bargaining position, if you will. Whenever Congress can't reach a decision on an important issue, news anchors and pundits love to boil the problem down to personality flaws. Our legislators, we're told, are acting childish, headstrong, just plain stubborn. But what if there was a rational explanation for gridlock, and it meant our elected officials are actually logical, forward-thinking decision-makers? Violeta Giuda is an assistant professor at Chicago Harris. She recently co-authored a paper that uses game theory to set up a bargaining scenario, kind of like what we'd see in Congress. And as she played out that scenario, it became pretty clear. Political polarization is almost impossible to avoid. Now, her findings are challenging what we thought we knew about gridlock and suggesting new ways for legislators to prevent partisan standoffs in the future. So the starting point of this research is to try to understand how policymaking is being conducted in real life. But if you think about policymaking uh, in real life, it's a very complicated process. There are many actors, there are many uh, rules, uh, procedures, factors that affect what policy is implemented at the end. So as a researcher, you cannot just sit down and research all those aspects. You have to somehow find a way to approach the problem in the easiest possible way. So uh, game theory helps you with that because it forces you to really distill the most important elements of the situation. So, for example, when I think about about legislative process, I think uh, who are the actors? The main actors are politicians. Of course, you have voters, you have uh, journalists, you have media, you have have all these other uh, people who also probably affect what's being implemented at the end. But the most important actors are legislators. So I'm taking this as my starting point of the analysis and I'm saying, in my, in my model, in my game that I'm going to uh, look at, there will be legislators. And then I'm thinking, how do they make decisions? And again, if you look at the US Congress, it's pretty complicated. They talk, they negotiate, they bargain, then they, they vote or they don't vote. But what's the most important thing for me, I think, uh, is first of all that they vote. Second of all, that they vote periodically. So it's not that they vote once and for all, but they vote on the same issue over many years. And third of all, what's important for me is that their preferences change over time. So politicians might, for example, prefer high taxes today, but tomorrow the economy might improve and they might actually want to decrease taxes or the budget deficit uh, goes down, they might want to decrease taxes. So there's this constant need for a negotiation. So again, I put this in my model. And now I have a world in which something can happen. There are people who have to make decisions over time. And I can ask a question, how are they going to make those decisions? Let's play, can we play this game that you set up? I mean, is that possible? You and me right here? Yes, sure. Okay. So uh, let's assume that we have two options. We can have uh, high taxes or low taxes. Okay. Just two options, to be simple. And um, let's assume that you're a little bit more... uh, pro-taxation than I am, okay? And let's assume that every morning we wake up and we look at our economy and our budget and we decide whether we want to have high taxes or low taxes, okay? So there will be situations in which both of us we want to have high taxes, even though I'm the conservative politician, because, for example, we might have a high budget deficit and we really want to bring it under control. There might be mornings where we wake up and we actually decide we want to have low taxes because, for example, we have budget surplus and we really don't know what to do with the money that we have in the treasury. 
But there will be some situations when we genuinely disagree. I think I want to have smaller government and you want to have bigger government. You want to have higher taxes to spend more on welfare or infrastructure. So the game is as follows. We wake up every morning, we see what we like, and then we vote. And if we agree on the taxes, then we implement them. But if we disagree, then the taxes from the previous period stay in place. Okay. okay? So let's say tomorrow we wake up and I see that there's a very high budget deficit. So how do we vote? So I guess this depends on how much we disagree, right? Exactly. Go ahead. So we can say that if we do disagree, let's say that we're both like fairly staunch in our left or rightness, then I'm going to vote for more taxes still, and you're going to vote for low taxes. Okay, very good. So we disagree, and let's say yesterday's low taxes are in place. Okay. Now imagine that we wake up and the budget deficit is even higher. How do I vote? Well, I'm a little bit... uh, against taxes. I don't like raising taxes. But if the budget deficit is really high, I really have to do something to bring it under control. So probably I'm going to vote for high taxes. What's the problem with that? What what might happen if I vote for high taxes today? You're stuck with them. I'm stuck with them. Tomorrow, for example, we fix the budget. We are very happy with what we have. I would like to roll back the taxes because I don't like really taxing people. What are you going to do tomorrow? Still all those high taxes. Exactly. So you're going to refuse to agree with me on the change. And that causes a lot of distortions in my behavior because even though today I really want to bring this budget under control and I really would like to raise taxes, I'm really afraid you're going to stick to the high taxes tomorrow and I will never be able to roll them back. And that holds me back. I'm not going to fix today's problem because I'm worried about what that means for my future bargaining position, if you will. So then this gets into the question of how much are we thinking ahead, right? Because this requires us to, to both be thinking ahead quite a bit. Otherwise, we wouldn't really have a problem, right? Right. So definitely we have to be forward-looking. But if you look at politicians, they seem to be quite forward-looking and quite uh, strategic in their behavior. And an interesting thing that would come up from this game if we played it long enough and learned how this works is that because I'm going to be a little bit less likely to vote in favor of raising taxes and you're going to be a little bit less likely to vote in favor of decreasing taxes in the future, the probability that in the future we are going to disagree is pretty high. So I start thinking about the future now more seriously. And that gives me even more incentives to not vote for raising taxes today. And same for me. Same for you. And that gives us even more incentives to think about the future because the disagreement in the future is very, very likely. So at the end of the day, we might get quite uh, high distortions, even if at the beginning of of this entire situation, politicians thought that... um, future disagreement was not very likely, so maybe they didn't have to put so much weight onto what will happen later on. Right, and that's how we get government shutdowns. That's how we get government shutdowns. (laughs) (laughs) But then obviously it gets more complicated if if we don't have to just pick between two options, right? If we expand the spectrum beyond just left and right to sort of intermediaries, then what happens? 
Uh, in the paper, we do look a little bit at this question of what happens when you have more options. When we have more choices, you would think that there's room for compromise because right now we don't have to decide, do we raise taxes, do we lower taxes? But we can say, uh, let's raise them a little bit, let's, let's lower them a little bit. However, we show that the same intuition will lead us to basically the same conclusion, that we are going to make changes very rarely and we are going to have a lot of disagreement and policy inertia and why, why is that if we are deciding whether to increase taxes or lower taxes I still think about the future so if I whether I raise them a lot or whether I raise them a little bit I'm still going to face this idea that I raise the taxes and tomorrow they're not going to revert to their initial point raising them a lot today fixes the problem today but puts me in a very bad position for the future raising them today a little bit puts me in a slightly better position for the future but doesn't fix the problem today. So there's a trade-off and at the end of the day we show that actually this trade-off still leads politicians to refuse most of the beneficial changes. Which sounds pretty bleak. <laughs> what do we do about this? Do we, do we change the players or change the game, so to speak? That's an excellent question. So the first question is, do we want to do anything about it? And of course, if you follow the discourse nowadays, you, you hear a lot of people complaining about polarization and people interpret polarization as the negative thing. Uh, they, they think that politicians do not long, no longer represent the voters. It's not so obvious. In our game, we, we, we show that this behavior is generated by forward-looking politicians who think about the welfare of their constituency. So their behavior, even though it looks pretty bleak and dramatic and, 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 and negative, is just a rational response to the political competition. It might not necessarily be the worst thing that can happen to the voters. That is really interesting that this requires patience and forward-thinkingness, the, the two things that we kind of like to assume that, you know, people in Congress just don't have, that they're just, that they're, that they're A, making decisions that are going to benefit them most at that moment, and that they're sort of trying to show each other up. That's an interesting point. So I think when people think about polarization and disagreement in Congress, they tend to think this is something negative that comes from uh, the lack of rational thinking uh, on the side of the politicians or some sort of blind allegiance to the party. Uh, they tend to think that, yes, politicians don't think about the future, what will happen to the U.S. if we do not agree on a budget or what will happen if we do not uh, raise taxes. And our model, in a sense, tells a different story. The effect that we obtain in our model can occur only if politicians actually care about the future, if they actually understand what will happen in the future, take this into account, and try to behave in the best possible way, representing their own constituency. So sure, they don't maybe think about the welfare of the entire country, but let's say leftists think about the welfare of people who vote for them and rightists think about the welfare of people who vote for them. And, and, and as a result, we get this polarization. So I think it is an interesting observation. It's something that maybe we should think more about, that the polarization we see in Congress is not necessarily a sign that the politicians are completely out of touch with the public. And was that sort of a surprising finding for you? Or did you expect to find yourself thinking that? It was a surprise. We did not set out to build a model where we get 
polarization and disagreement. We were just interested in understanding the basic working of legislative policy making. So we built this, this simple, simple model and we just said, okay, let's see where it takes us and maybe it will take us nowhere, maybe everything will be efficient and there will be no interesting behavior there. And then we found this, uh, this behavior that we heard so much about from the radio and from, from the political scientists. And if you read the literature uh, on polarization, most of the scholars think about it as, as something irrational, something behavioral, something to be worried about. And, and our model shows, well, wait a second, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's actually rational behavior and maybe politicians are smarter than what we think. <laughs> the more forward-looking and more strategic. Yeah. So as a byproduct, our model has something to say about what kind of politicians the voters should elect. So there's some disagreement in political science on whether voters should elect politicians that share their preferences, whether they should elect politicians that are more extreme or less extreme. And there's also disagreement on what voters actually do. Uh, and what our model predicts is that actually voters should select politicians that are a little bit less polarized than them. And the reason is that as a voter, I would like the politician not to become too polarized because if my representative is very polarized, I know that the representative of the other party is going to become polarized as well because he's going to be very afraid of the future disagreement with my representative. So one way for me to commit my representative to not disagree so much in the future is to elect someone who is more moderate than I am, whose preferences are more moderate. He's going to go for the same strategic thinking, but his behavior is going to be distorted with respect to a much more moderate position than my position. For that to work, if I'm a Republican and I elect a fairly moderate Republican, don't the Democrats also have to elect a fairly moderate Democrat for this to work, or won't they just kind of end up polarizing each other otherwise? So it would be ideal if uh, everyone elected more moderates, uh, but uh, we show in the model that even if the other party, if, if the other side of the political spectrum does not respond by electing more moderate politicians, I myself have, have an incentive to have a more moderate representative because I know that as soon as they will see a more moderate politician, they will be less fearful of the future disagreement and they will be more likely to compromise today. Even though we might realize that uh, this polarization and disagreement is just a response of very rational, forward-looking legislators, there's still a question of what they can do to make policies more responsive to the environment. Because if you look at our model, politicians would agree with our assessment that ideally we would be changing policies more often than what we are. So they should think about other options to get out of the situation. Maybe there's a way to automate certain policy changes. Maybe there's a way to index certain policy changes to inflation. If you think about taxation, maybe there's a way to index uh, taxation to uh, budget deficits or public debt. Maybe there's a way to index social security to certain economic indicators. And and there, there have been attempts in the past to tie policy changes to certain macroeconomic indicators such as unemployment, inflation, uh, public debt. But our feeling is that those kind of solutions are underutilized. Uh, they have been advocated by the economists, 
for some reason they haven't been really fully incorporated into the legislative decision making. Maybe because uh, legislators don't want to lose control over the legislative process. Maybe they want to control every little change in the policy. But, but that's one way they could go and improve the efficiency of the system. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Radio Harris, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Just search for Radio Harris. And if you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes as well. Today's episode was produced by me, Jake Smith, with help from Michael Harvey. <laughs>